You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Today's episode is an absolute goldmine for all the want-to-be entrepreneurs out there who are currently dreaming of leaving their nine-to-five jobs, but totally unsure of how to do it. We brought on the best human we could think of to talk about this, our girl, Amy Porterfield. Amy is an ex-corporate girl turned online marketing expert and CEO of a multi-million dollar business. During her corporate days, Amy worked with mega brands like Harley Davidson, as well as peak performance coach, Tony Robbins. Through her best-selling courses and top-ranked marketing podcast, The Online Marketing Made Easy, Amy has helped hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs turn in their two weeks notice and trade burnout for freedom, income, and impact. Amy's work has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, CNBC, Business Insider, Entrepreneur, and more. So yeah, we are learning from the queen herself today. (laughs) If you have ever thought, gosh, dang, I wish I had a blueprint I could follow to get me out of this nine to five job, or the thought of such a drastic life change just feels so overwhelming and you have no idea where to start. Today's episode is for you. Amy spills so many tangible steps, strategies, and encouragement for the listener ready to take charge of their own career. We cover everything from creating an exit strategy in your corporate job, overcoming money anxiety, mindset hurdles to be prepared to tackle, how to find what your side hustle or business pursuit should even be, and so much more. You'll definitely want to take notes on this one. So grab a pen and paper and let's get ready to learn from one of the best, Amy Porterfield. I've got two words for you that will seriously uplevel your business. You ready for it? Niche down. We're sure you've heard it a million times, huh? Like everyone and their mom tells you to niche down, but maybe you're still struggling to see the benefits. Well, we're here to tell you from experience, it will in fact help you sell and scale in the long run. And once we actually did niche down ourselves, um, it worked. Our businesses soared. Which is why we want to give you an explanation and then teach you step-by-step exactly how to niche down. You excited? Because we know that we are. Go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash niche to begin the process of honing in on your area of expertise. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Amy, oh my gosh, welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so stoked for you to be back. What an honor. I'm so glad to be talking to both of you ladies. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, you were, I think, our 200th episode when the first time you were on. Uh, and we talked all about creating passive income through digital courses. You just rocked the house. You always rock the house, honestly. Uh, so we are so excited for you to be back to talk about your book. We're just like fangirling and cheering over here for the release of that. So uh, tell us just all the things. I guess, what was your inspiration for writing it? What's it about? All the things. Well, first of all, thank you for asking me as a brand new author. It is like the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. No one told me it would feel so exposing. And so uh, I just, I love friends like you that welcome me in and give me an opportunity to talk about it, but it's called two weeks notice. 
find the courage to quit your nine to five job, make more money, work where you want and change the world. And the inspiration it really was twofold. Number one, 14 years ago, when I left my last corporate job and started my online business, I was clueless. Literally, I drove out of that parking lot of the last job I ever had. And I thought, what am I doing? Is this the craziest, most irresponsible thing I've ever done? Or is this the wisest thing I've ever done? I was really caught between the two. So I fumbled for about two years. And it was one of the worst times in my life because I felt so uncertain. So I wrote the book that I wish I had when I was first starting out, literally how to leave a job where you have a runway. So when you actually leave the job, you start out with success. I didn't have that. And then also what to do when you are out on your own, literally step-by-step how to build the foundation of an online business. That's the book I wrote, Mm -hmm. but I also wrote it for another reason. I know that there's a woman in a cubicle right now or even a fancy side office getting paid well, but hating her job. I know she looks around and thinks there's no way that this is the rest of my life. This can't be it. I know I'm made for more. She's hit that glass ceiling. She has to ask for vacation and she has to ask for the raise. And she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I wrote the book for her to give her a new way to do life and to do business. And so it's really twofold. Oh, I love that. I feel like one of the most common questions even we get asked from our audience, so I'm glad we're talking about this, is like, how do I go full-time or how do I quit the job? And so I, I you are just going to have so much to say. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> I want to hear from you, Amy, like when you... Because I feel like that relatable experience of like leaving something that's stable, something that is more traditional, that the world understands, and going into something on your own, that uncertainty, that fear, all of it, 100% relatable. My question is what made you, what prompted you and gave you the certainty that that unknown, like stepping into the uncertainty was what was right for you? Were there like key triggers or, um, I don't know any like things that you were like, yes, this is what led to me leaving the corporate world and starting out on my own that could possibly be relatable to a listener right now? Yeah, I love that question. Well, the first thing is I had been in nine to five jobs ever since I left college. So it's all I knew. And quite honestly, I was really good at having a boss. I I like to get the awards and the promotions and the Atta girls and like that <laughs> external validation. I, I love that, unfortunately. And also I love to be told what to do and then I would do it even better and then get all that clout from that. Mm-hmm. And so that structure worked for me for a long time until, I got married and I had been married maybe six months and I was working for Tony Robbins. So I had a job where I traveled a lot, very high stress, very intense, but also incredibly rewarding. But I never saw my husband and I realized I can't be on the road this much when I'm newly married. But also what happened was Tony had brought in a bunch of online marketers to a very specific meeting uh, in the headquarters in San Diego. And humbly enough, I was brought in to take notes at a side table. (laughs) So I wasn't even invited to the main table. It was all men. And Tony went around and he said, tell me about your businesses. And they started to talk about these businesses they created. They had digital courses and memberships and masterminds and physical products. They were in real estate and relationship building and investing in all these different industries. But all I heard was freedom. Like they worked when they wanted, where they wanted, how they wanted. They were as creative as they wanted to be. And they were making lots of money and a big impact on the world. And I like put my pen down and thought, I don't know what these guys are doing, but I want a piece of it. And Mm. and I remember in that very moment, 
I, I realized I've never been free. I was raised by a really strict dad. He was my first boss. And then all these other bosses throughout my career. And I had never called the shots. And in that moment, I wanted it. So it was like a light turned on. And I realized I want to create a business and a life by my own design. But the punchline here is I had no idea what I would do. I looked at my friend who was in the meeting with me and I said, you're a writer. You could be a freelance writer, a ghost writer. You could do amazing things on your own. I have zero skill set that would equate to a business owner. I couldn't even say entrepreneur. That was way too fancy. <laughs> I said business owner. And she looked at me and she's like, that's totally false. Everyone has something. And today I believe that, but back then I had very big limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh man. Okay. This is so, I I think just having those limiting beliefs or not even knowing what's possible is so relatable to people that are in, in either right now, they either are currently working at a nine to five, or they are in that kind of transition period and just like lost out of their minds. So could we, I, I would love to actually know like, what was your exit strategy in, mm. in leaving, or, or I guess yeah. you could phrase it either what you did or what you recommend now that you kind of went through it. So I did some of this, but then in the book, I wrote how to do it even better than I did it. And Beautiful. I call it the runway. And so I created a runway and here's what happened. I was in that meeting. I realized I've never been free. I want a piece of this. I got to figure it out. It was a good six months from that date where I just kind of floundered a little bit, like started to research, talk to people. And then about six months in, I thought, I really want to be my own boss. I want to start my own business. So the first thing I did is I got very clear on my why. What did I want? And in my why, it wasn't some girl called it um, a pageant why. It wasn't a pageant why where it's really freely, frilly and um, sexy and really good. It was selfish. I wanted to not have a boss. That's all it was. I didn't want to be told what to do, when to do, or how to do it. I didn't want to be on someone else's time or someone else's dime. It wasn't um, big and shiny. It was just very real. So the first time you put together your why of why you want to leave behind what's no longer serving you, get very clear and it has to hit your soul. Like this is it. And I knew it was, I no longer wanted to be told what to do. So I got clear on my why. And then from there, I chose an exit date. So at that point, I was about six months into deciding this. And I thought, if I don't choose a date, I am never leaving. Schedule it to make it real. I had learned that from Tony when I worked for him. So I put that into practice. I wrote my exit date on a post-it note. It was six months from that actual day. I put it on a post-it note on a mirror where I could see it every single day. And when I saw it, I would ask myself, what do I need to do today to get me closer to actually leaving on that date? And so it might be, I need to make a phone call and ask for a favor or do some research or buy a digital course or whatever it might be. So every day I did something to get me closer. That was the first step. The second one was that I needed to look at my finances. And I think money anxiety is going to come up for most of us if we're leaving behind a secure traditional nine to five job. So I got honest with my finances. I sat down with my new husband at the time and I said, okay, let's look at what we've got here. We had a little bit of debt. He wasn't making a lot of money yet. I was uh, doing well in my nine to five, but I was going to lose that. So the question was, how much money do we really need to make each month to get by? Now, when you go out on your own, you girls know, it's not the year that you're going to renovate your house, buy a new car, go on vacations, <laughs> right? It's like a scrappy year or two yeah. when you go out on your own. So I really cut back a bunch of things and thought, okay, what's possible? Because I wanted to have as much breathing room as I could to make all the mistakes I knew I needed to make. Mm-hmm. So I got clear on my finances. And then from there, 
I made sure that I told three people and three people only. This was a big one. Not everybody deserves to hear your dreams. They cannot handle it. Mm -hmm. And they can't handle it for two reasons. One, let's say you tell a coworker, I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to start my own business. And she's going to tell you all the reasons you should not do that because she's too afraid to do it. So she is literally projecting her life on yours. You cannot listen to that. And the other thing, if you tell some, let's say I'm with my dad, I didn't tell my dad. If I told my dad, he'd be so freaked out for me that he'd be like, whoa, 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 let's, let's not do this. This is a big move. So I was careful who I told. And I think that's so important that you just tell the people that will build you up, hold you accountable and push you out there if you get cold feet. Yeah. And then finally, so I, I told the people I needed to tell I put together a financial plan to see how I was going to do this. I had the date that I wanted to leave. And then I got really clear on my why. Mm -hmm. And so finally, the final step was that I needed to stay committed to that end date. But actually, one more quick thing. I started a side hustle, kind of big, that I just forgot. I started a side hustle where I started to make a little money on the side. I started to take clients and do their social media because it's really all I knew at the time so that I could ease into leaving. So I did a side hustle for about six months and then left. So that was my runway. And I detail it out in the book and ask certain questions to the reader so they can build their own runway. But when I left, although I was scared, I had a plan mm -hmm. and that felt good. So it really was the thing that kind of catapulted me out of that office for the very last day. Oh, mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's something that, I mean, Lindsay and I talked to our students about in that, if, if you don't address something head on, like with a plan, it becomes this like monster under the bed of like this unknown, this big, scary, you really don't know what it's like. You don't know what to expect. You don't like, there's just unknowns. But the minute you like grab the flashlight, AKA the pen and paper and start actually like sitting down, <laughs> making a plan and you like shine it under the bed, you're like, Oh, it's an old like dog toy under the bed. It's not actually that scary. <laughs> And I feel like what you just outlined is like basically that principle applied like perfectly to such a big, scary life change of like leaving this nine to five. It's like, okay, address it head on. Like, look at those finances, think about your why, and then begin to like, you know, implement these action steps to get you to where you want to be. Um, I feel like one of the biggest, big, bad, scary monsters in this transition for people is finances and money. Mm -hmm. And I know you address that. I would love, what are your thoughts or recommendations to anyone listening to this who just feels that like fear or panic around money in this transition of like leaving something that's stable and going to something that's unknown? Yes. Okay. First, I got to address the mindset around this and, and remind everyone it's so normal to have money anxiety when you're leaving behind a nine to five job. So one tactical thing you can do, and this is what someone interviewed me um, and he said, I was a lawyer and I wanted to be a content creator. And so he said, I didn't choose the exit date. I chose a dollar amount. When I had nine mm. months of savings, I was going to allow myself to leave. Now he got really aggressive because I don't think you should stay at your job for the next two years just to save nine months of savings. You don't right. need to do that. So that's when it becomes a little bit of a fear or excuse and you never leave. Mm -hmm. But he said, okay, I'm going to get these nine months of savings in like the next six months. So I'm going to get really aggressive in terms of how I save my money. And so that's one thing he did. And I think that alleviates 
it's a lot of fear when you leave your nine to five job that you have a little nest egg. I had maybe one or two months. So I really didn't have that. I had to hustle to get some more clients quickly. I think that's what I needed, but some people need a little bit more security, but let's talk about the mindset of security and safety. It keeps you small. So the more secure and safe you need to be, the smaller game you will play in life and in business. Mm -hmm. And so we do need to examine the fact that if you're willing to get uncomfortable for a while, you're going to grow so much quicker than even your competitors out there. And so embracing the feeling of being uncomfortable is a practice that we need to put into place right now. Like if you're still in your nine to five job, find ways to get uncomfortable, meaning putting yourself out there in different ways, doing things you've never done before. Because when you start thinking like an entrepreneur during your runway, before you leave, you're going to be more successful when you do. So how bad do you want it? Are you willing to get uncomfortable? Are you willing to sacrifice some things and also not be positive if you're going to make enough money, but you're going to figure it out? We always do. So I'm not saying just go for it, leave in two weeks and don't pay the bills, put a plan together, but also be willing to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned getting kind of out of your comfort zone. I, I almost think that there's this lie that we believe and we, we somehow look at nine to five or corporate or traditional quote unquote jobs as secure and safe and then like Thank entrepreneurship <laughs> as as like this like crazy wild, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I'm going to fall on my face, but like, what you're doing in that scenario is putting more faith in another person that's not you than yourself, right? Like, thank you. That is so well said. You could get fired tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow. I have so many stories of my students who, let me tell you one real quick. Her name was Rachel and she was in accounting, internal affairs actually. And, um, she had her job for a really long time, but she started a side hustle in photography because that's what she loved. She only made $5,000 the first year, but then the second year she made 20,000 and she thought I could keep growing this. And then one day she got fired, like totally unexpected, of course. And, but she had a side hustle that she said, okay, this is my sign. I'm going to grow this big. And she has, and she's done amazingly well. But imagine if she didn't have that side hustle, like my student, Carol, who she was in marketing for like 20 years, always thought about building her own business, always wanted to do it. And then she got laid off. And she had nothing planned. She didn't start the side hustle. She didn't start the business. So now she's scrambling, almost took another nine to five job because she didn't know what else to do. She needed to make money fast. Luckily, she got busy. She created her business, stumbled a little bit and figured it out. So don't be, you're, if you don't start a side hustle or you don't start building that online business the way you want to, you will literally, something could happen where it's not under your control anymore. It's ripped out from you. And now you're like, what do I do? Don't be in that situation. Mm. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Hello. I wanted to interrupt this episode really quick to remind you that we have an apparel shop with heart-filled pieces. (laughs) See what we did there? (laughs) That we have designed with you in mind. In the shop, we've got t-shirts, crop tops, sweatshirts, mugs, hats, and more, all created with comfy and cute designs that you can rock in your everyday life. This collection is for you if you love the show and want to share it with your friends in a cool way, or if you want to wear something cute as heck that was intentionally designed with powerful phrases to remind you that you can do it. You were made to be a world changer and that the Lord created you wildly capable of big freaking things. Now, 
Obviously, this is a podcast and we can't show you how cute as heck these pieces are on the show. So run, don't walk to the heart shop to check out our apparel and more. You can head to www.theheartuniversity.com forward slash apparel to grab your favorite pieces today. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to partner with us together. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling. Video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. I have a question. You kind of mentioned it earlier when you were talking about your story of kind of not knowing what you wanted to do and you started doing social media marketing or or just like as your side hustle to kind of get out of the ease of of transitioning from um, your corporate nine to five into entrepreneurship. So if if a listener is listening to this and they are currently working at a nine to five and they're like feeling this talk of freedom and being your own boss and they're like, I want that. Oh my gosh, how do I get it? What do I do? What would be your advice for somebody that's in that position but like genuinely has never thought about entrepreneurship or genuinely just has not a single clue of like what type of business they would start? I think this is very common. I work with a lot of students and I'm sure you met a lot of women too, where they're like, I want to do something different on my own, but I have no clue what I would do. And so I want to take you through what I call the sweet spot formula. And it has four quadrants. And this is kind of what I used in order to figure out what I wanted to do. But before I take you through the four quadrants, I want to say this. You just need a starter idea. A starter idea is just enough to get you into action because action creates clarity. What I started with looks dramatically different 14 years ago. I don't work one-on-one. I don't teach social media. I don't do social media. In fact, I have someone on my team who does it full-time because I'm not even that good at it. And so now what I do is I help people build online businesses, create digital courses, build email lists, very different than how I started. Allow yourself to start with the starter idea, knowing that that clarity in action will get you to ultimately where you're supposed to be. So Mm. I just want to take the pressure off that this does not need to be the end all be all. It just needs to be the starter idea. Okay. So the first quadrant is what are you good at? Where's your knowledge, your skill set, your know-how? What do people always ask you about? Like, how do you do that? That, That's so easy for you, but not for me. Show me how. What do your friends think you're good at? Your parents, whoever it might be, start asking around, where have you gotten results? Both personally and professionally. There's a business somewhere in there, and we need to look at where we've been able to get results or done really great work in the past. That's where we're going to start. The second quadrant is, who do you want to serve? 
Usually, and not always, we like to serve people that are just like us, but they're like behind us five, 10 years or wherever it might be. Meaning we know them, but we're ahead of them so we can show them the way. That's one easy way to look at who you want to serve, but it might be totally different. I have a client who he's 30 years old and he helps women in their 60s get fit. So that was not him. (laughs) So it, it doesn't matter if you were them or not. Just figure out who you want to serve and then ask the question, well, what are they struggling with? Because you need to solve a problem. So we need to know what they're struggling with and it needs to be aligned with what you're good at. And there always will be a connection. You will find it. Mm -hmm. The third quadrant is my favorite. Where are people spending money? And what I mean by that is if you think, you know, I want to be a physical therapist for women in their 50s that have had an injury. That's what I want to do in my business. Okay, great. The question is, do people spend money on this? Obviously, that answer is yes. And are there books about it, podcasts about it, digital courses about it, one-on-one coaching, client services? Are people spending money in this area that you want to get uh, to start a business in? If the answer is yes, that is a great first validation. But I've got to stop there because I know some people are thinking, Amy, if it's already been done before, there's no room for me, right? We've all heard it. It's a very natural question. Uh, When I came on the scene 14 years ago, I taught Facebook marketing. And um, for those of you who know, Mari Smith, still like the queen of Facebook marketing, but 14 years ago, she was the only one teaching it. I could have easily said, Mari's got the monopoly on this. I can't do it. But what I realized quickly is you only need a sliver of the internet to pay attention to make bank in whatever you do, a sliver. So there's always room for you. And if someone else is doing it and making money, great. It's an awesome validator. And then finally, the fourth quadrant is what lights you up? Notice I didn't say what's your passion. Let's not go down that road, a rabbit hole you'll never come up from because you'll always wonder, is this really my passion? No, what lights you up? Because as you ladies know, you're going to talk about it morning, noon, and night, whatever you (laughs) choose. So you got to at least enjoy talking about it. So again, what are you good at? Who do you want to serve? What are people paying for? And what lights you up? That's going to get your starter idea. And Mm -hmm. do not overthink it. Oh, I love this. You are giving so much tangible, like step-by-step, like think through this, take this. What would you say to the person who, even after listening to all of what you've just said, the tangible steps, the, the mindset kind of shake up, but is still just sitting there being like, well, I'm a too scared. I, mm-hmm. I still feel this anxiety and this fear on this thought of, of such a big life change or the person who maybe has the question of, what if I'm just as unhappy in entrepreneurship? Like, what if I become just as much a slave to my own business as I am right now to my boss? Like kind of the question of, is this even the right path for me? Mm. What would you say to that person? So at first I'd say, let's go back to getting clear on that why. Like, why do you really want it? Because for me, it was so simple. I just didn't want a boss anymore. I didn't want to be told what to do, nor did I want to be put in a box. So because of that, when I started to say, well, I want to go out on my own and do this. If the question pops up, what if I'm going to be a slave to that? And I was in the first two years. I worked more in the first two years of my own business than I did like 80 hours a week sometimes at Tony Robbins. So it did get bad like that. But so if I ask the question, what if I become a slave to my business? Well, then I get to change it. I am in charge. When my business isn't working out and I complain to my husband, something's hard, something's not working, I'm overwhelmed. He'll say, go look in the mirror and and talk to your boss and see if we can (laughs) fix this. I'm like, oh, I forgot. I am calling the shots. That's the most beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. When it doesn't work, when you're overwhelmed, when your boundaries have been thrown out the window, you get to course correct. 
you get to decide what you want to do. And so I'm not saying when you go out there, it's all rainbows and sunshine. Absolutely not. But it is an opportunity for you to design the business and the life you want. I always say my worst day as an entrepreneur, and in the book, I talk about stories I did not want to share of <laughs> almost losing my business to a man. We, w- we won't go here now. I'm going to save it for the book, but it was bad. And I literally cried probably every day for a year. Like it was a really drawn out thing. And those are my worst days as an entrepreneur, still better than the best day in a nine to five job. For Mm. me, I know this is not for everybody, but for me, because I was free, no one could fire me. No one could tell me I can't make more money. No one could tell me I can't take that vacation. That is a whole freaking different life than in a nine to five setting. So I just want, for those who are too scared and not doing it, Where else have you not taken the leap in your life and regretted it? Think about that. And also, where have you gone through really hard things and come out the other side? Because if you're still living, you 100% got through the hardest things in your life. If you're sitting here listening to us, you are resilient and you can figure this out. So how bad do you want it? And are you willing to keep playing small? These are the questions you got to ask. Man, Amy, with the (laughs) mic drop moment today. Wow. Okay. I have a technical question. As, as I'm imagining a listener listening to this, they're like, okay, yes, I want to do it. I'm, I'm going to go. But I guess my question is for anybody that loves like the rigid structure of like getting up, getting breakfast, getting and physically leaving the house, getting in your car, going to an office and then coming home and loves kind of like the formal structure that a nine to five brings. How did you slash any advice deal with like, kind of the freedom, but then also like the messiness of working from home, like getting dressed, like you don't have to get dressed. You don't have to sit on your desk or not sit on your desk, sit at your (laughs) desk. You can sit on your desk if you want. (laughs) I guess this is kind of like a productivity question, but like, how did you handle that transition from more of a formal job environment to kind of the free for all that can become when you're working for yourself? I really do believe it's so individual and it depends on someone's personality because I, you girls know, I'm a planner. I like order and I like to have a schedule. That is just me. So on day one, I put together a schedule for myself. And so I don't love to get ready. Like right now we were teasing how I'm all in hair and makeup because I got a bunch of interviews today, but my favorite day is not getting ready. So I would, if the day was, I didn't have to be on video, I'm not getting ready. I'm just getting cleaned up, sitting at the kitchen table. That's where I started. But I would put together a schedule how I was going to spend my day because that gave me peace and calm. Mm -hmm. Again, that's the most beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. You get to create your days. Now, I will say that it was very weird that no one was telling me what to do. I wasn't collaborating with anyone anymore in the beginning. So it did feel like very awkward in a shakeup, like, I'm going to do the next task. Does anyone (laughs) care? Like no one cared anymore. It was very weird, but I did create my schedule. I'm a big believer in project management tools. Um, I've used Asana from almost day one. And also the, uh, I use a planner every day. I'm old school. I like to write how my day is going to go. And so these are just things I brought from my work environment that kept me successful into my business. And I think that's what everyone should do, whatever works for you. But most people don't want that rigidness. Most people don't want to have to get dressed in the morning, go to a, do a job, sit down and have their day all planned out. That's why many people choose entrepreneurship. But I will say, if you don't get some kind of morning regimen in there, if you don't get some kind of plan, 
that you're going to probably burn out or you're going to suffer in terms of getting sales. Mm. I think we all should be planning. Mm. Oh, amen. I agree with that. (laughs) I think, I think it can be based on like you're saying, like based on your personality and how, how rigid it is or how, you know, how, what level of structure you implement. But I mean, the more, I feel like the more you start looking at like psychology and how our brains actually work, our bodies and our brains work really well with predictability, with rhythms and Mm -hmm. with routine. And it eliminates all of these guessing and this question, this mental energy of what's next. What do I do now? What do I, and it, it can make it so much more seamless in in your day-to-day life. So it's like, you get to choose. Yes, absolutely. But maybe do some research if you think you hate (laughs) rhythms and and structure, because you might find out it's actually very helpful for your brain. I agree. I'm right there with you. I love it. All right, Amy, we have a few final questions for you kind of wrapping up. This is like towards our, our rapid fire towards the end of each episode. Um, cause I want to keep asking you a million questions, but I'm also like, just go listen, go read the book. (laughs) They came out to read the book. Go read the book. Um, so a few rapid fire questions. What is a favorite book that you have read recently? Ooh, the gap in the game. So it's this book where it talks about, When you have any kind of success, but you didn't hit your goal, we tend to focus on, I didn't hit my goal. So let's say you wanted to make a million bucks and you made 600,000. I'm $400,000 short, or I just made $600,000. And I was so focused on the gap that I never celebrated the gain. And when you celebrate the gain, you start to move forward in a faster way. A brilliant book. I recommend it to everyone. The gap in the gain. In the gain or and the gain? And the gain. And the gap, okay. the gap in the game. Yeah. Beautiful. We Literally me and Abby. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, it's so good. It's so good. Oh we added God. that question to our podcast. Selfishly. Selfishly. <laughs> just to be like, we're talking to like the awesomest people on earth. That's Let's great. just get book recommendations. Okay, great. <laughs> the next question is if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, especially in that transition of like wanting to be an entrepreneur, what would it be? chill out. I would tell myself to chill out. Every decision I made in the very beginning, I thought was set in stone. Like if I don't do this right, or if I don't do it perfectly, even I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm gonna have to go back to my job. I messed up so much in the first two years and I'm still standing here today. So chill out, let yourself make the mistakes. It is absolutely part of the entrepreneurial journey. Oh, amen. (laughs) Okay. One of the last ones is kind of overarching, maybe pulling outside of, you know, this specific topic of leaving your nine to five. What is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in business? Ooh, that my expectations are not reality. And so I'm a sensitive girl and I have been disappointed along the way in terms of expecting people to show up a certain way because I showed up that way for them or expecting them to do a certain thing because I think it should be done that way. And then I get disappointed. And so this is not necessarily a business thing, maybe a life thing, but I've learned to really check my expectations and remember I can only control this side of the street not how someone else is going to show up. And the reason I think this is an important piece of advice is many people listening will eventually do affiliate deals, partnerships, work and collabs. And you got to keep those expectations in check so that you're not disappointed. And remember, this is business and we got to leave with a business head, not necessarily always personal like I tend to do. So it's a lesson mm. I am still learning. Oh, that's so good. Oh, Amy, you have been a joy to talk with. Where can everyone find you? Where can they buy your book? Where can they take your courses? All of the, the things. 
Okay, so I so appreciate you asking. You can get my book wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target.com, wherever books are sold. And also go to twoweeksnoticebook.com. I've got a bonus for those who buy the book. So twoweeksnoticebook.com. Thanks so much for asking. Oh Oh, my gosh, Amy. Thank you so much for your time. This is always the joy uh, of our life having you on this podcast. It feels like I don't so know. Fun. I feel like we're like, oh man, if Evie five years ago could have seen us now, like talking to Amy Porterfield, <laughs> wow. Um, well, you're also just like, you're so articulate, but also so relatable and down to earth. And we love that energy on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, love you girls so much. I love it. We need to do something with you later this year. I think it'd be Absolutely. Fun. Let's talk about it. All <laughs> Thank right. Thank you perfect. so much for having me. Thanks, Amy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 